Hello, Scuttlebutt listeners. I'm William. I'm here with Vic. Hey. And we are at day one of Modern Day Marine, and we are here with the CEO, founder, badass dude from <laughs> Building Momentum, and his name is Brad Halsey. Brad, how are you doing here? Awesome. How are you guys doing Yeah, today? doing great, Brad. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, this is awesome. So if you don't mind, just giving our audience a little bit of your background information of who you are, where you're from, and then how you got here to Modern Day Marine today. No, thanks for that. Yeah, I was um, a former Navy officer, uh, got injured in the Middle East, had a, s a shoulder surgery go wrong, and um, got processed out and was wondering what to do with my life. I decided that I wanted to use my brain instead of my body for my living, so I went to a think tank called Stanford Research Institute out in the Bay Area and was kind of like a, a lab nerd. I was a chemistry major at the time, so I was just like doing lab nerd stuff, um, kind of worked my way up through the, the, the company there and got it in charge of larger programs and I could see where they were you know, originating from, from sort of warfighter needs, but they didn't actually go anywhere. It's like straight out of Raiders of the Lost Ark where they like roll the technology up into a warehouse and they <laughs> shut the door and they're like, <laughs> yeah, thank you, right. Brad, for, for all that. You know, DARPA, thanks you. Um, so I got really frustrated with that and a lot of my friends that were in the sp sort of past special operations community that were now in this new war in Iraq um, were just getting chewed up by insurgents who were using um, pretty clever and insidious little technologies like right. controllers and things. So I was, I was frustrated and also fascinated by that. So I um, left that company, got a consulting gig with the Army, and just went to Iraq in 2008 and had a little lab in Baghdad, but just went on every mission that I could go on. Um, we, uh, we used to have a saying that if you ask a soldier and in, you know, in that in that place, in, in sort of Iraq at the time, what their problems were, they would have said, "I want more nicotine and more porn." <laughs> and so there's a reason why you go on mission with them, is so you can see the problems, because sometimes they just can't see it. Um, and so I learned a lot about the problems that were emanating from Al Qaeda at the time, how they were using technology to sort of outpace us, and I got really interested in, in how we can start doing that. So when I came back um, after a year of doing that in 2008, the Army wanted more of that. Um, so I started training nerds to go to war. But what I realized is just because you're number one in your class at Stanford or MIT does not mean you're worth a shit at actually building anything useful. Um, and so I made that mistake, sent some people across the, the pond and they didn't do well. So I developed a weed out program for nerds. It was <laughs> like this seven day, uh, you know, here's a technology, build me something. Here's another thing, build me something. Go, like go, go. Like a nerd crucible? It was like a nerd crucible. Um, <laughs> also the name of my progressive rock band. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, yeah. and, uh, and so they, we, we taught them all these things and then I would weed out. And we did some like weapons training and combat first aid stuff just to see how nerds would work in that environment as well. And being a nerd, I know that sometimes like those things bring a realism to the situation you're not used to, so people could like panic or not. Mm -hmm. um, so I'd weed out a couple of those people, and I, and I did this for years. So sent nerds over to these labs that we helped uh, build for the Army called, um, they called them X-Labs, but we designed and helped build some of these labs, put them overseas. Um, really fell in love with doing the training. Didn't think I would like that as much, but I fell in love with that, and I fell in love with doing the mission itself. So I saw sort of the Afghan war winding down, the Iraq war winding down, and I wanted to start building momentum to continue doing that, to train people to solve their own problems, to do it myself when, I, when needed. Um, and it sort of grew from there. You know, we now we have, uh, we've trained something like 9,000 service members in our flagship training program called Innovation Bootcamp, which is like, essentially is training you to become a, you know, insurgent or a MacGyver. Yeah. On all of today's latest tech, so you learn 3D printing and coding and how to build a drone from scratch and how to build a robot and how to set up sensor networks. So we, we do that in a, in a crazy paced um, week-long program and that and that that building 
those building uh, that foundation. It isn't like, hey, I've got to procure a bunch of gear, or I need. It's, and I think you used the term when we were talking earlier, but it's it's modern day foraging. It is. So we do it one of two ways. You you can come to our facility in Alexandria, and we will have stuff for you. Sometimes we will bring we'll ship stuff like we're going to Japan in two weeks. We're shipping. We already ship pallets of gear out there because Okinawa sometimes doesn't have some of those things. Or the clientele does want us to do that, so we have a group that um, just went to Africa that are looking to have us come in and work with them on the ground in Africa to use resources there and do the technical foraging. So can you build a drone um, on you know Mali parts? Right. You know. Right. Um, and so that's that's less about expertise in any one area, and it's about the knowing how to get that knowledge and looking and going into a shop in some weird part of the world and going, I know what that part actually does. I know it's fundamental sort of like physics and, and electronics, so I can make that into something. So that is the that is one part of the company that we do um, on the teaching side. And then we like to go to places and help. So I was in Ukraine in the fall, um, largely to do humanitarian response and humanitarian help, but also to learn what is evolving on the battlefield. And that is insane. Do you mind uh, touching up some of your experiences over there and, and, and talking about how the, uh, the character of wars changed from yeah. your... Uh, Observations. It's it's almost in an anecdote. I got texted one morning. Hey, do you want to Uber to the front lines? <laughs> I have a new drone that I want to test. This like literally happened. So, uh, it was a guy who is a former marketing guy. He had made he he's, he got fed up with um, Russia attacking his country and stopped doing the marketing thing. Got on YouTube and GitHub and figured out how to make a drone. He made a whole bunch of them. He got a bunch of pilots together and they would no shit like YouTube to the front or uh, Uber to the front lines or ride share. And, uh, and try stuff. Man, that tip has to be off the chain, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Five stars for yeah. sure. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and so it became that. And I realized that's what warfare looks like. It is not this big leviathan of platforms coming together and, and sort of like out of Pacific Rim, right? You know, you, these big yeah, machines. Yeah. No, it's in the cracks where these changes are made. And, and no one teaches that. And that is our biggest crusade at Building Momentum, and that's why the Marine Maker Program has asked us to, to shepherd that process, is that no one teaches how to do this stuff. Like, yeah. you just go buy a platform, you use it until it breaks, you have a maintenance program, and all. but that, you're already like way behind the technological cycle of the world, yeah. and of, of industry, and of, of commercialization. So, um, it's, but Ukraine has shown that. Ukraine, Ukraine's greatest weapon is its population. Right, it's the people. It's the people that mm -hmm. said, "Oh, I know how to do this. Let me get on YouTube." And YouTube is the greatest repository of information ever designed. Right, <laughs> so um, you just get on there. And you're like, "I know how to make a drone drop a Moktov cocktail onto somebody," and you just do it. And yeah. So, but we don't. The armed services here don't really teach that, other than in small pockets of like different, you know, JSOC groups and weird ODA groups where we we actually teach a lot of those guys these things. Um, the services writ large do not embrace that asymmetry and the craziness that we saw. Yeah. Well, and I was going to, I want to mention that because, uh, you know, you, you mentioned that you were a naval, former naval officer, but you I mean not just the naval officer, you were a teams guy, right? I was, well, I was an EOD guy for a while. Oh, uh, there it yeah. is. Yeah, Monster Garage all over the place, right? <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was but that was prior to 9-11, and so it was still very much salvage, and, you know, yeah. it wasn't this, like, running through the sand is a lot of my friends ended up doing it and disarming on the fly. It was it wasn't as much of that. It was just sort of systematic. Go underwater, do your thing. Here's your SC, er, uh, TTPs, um, and that that you know Iraq showed us these. You about to say yeah. But we were like, oh, that's you know that's a force that has to maneuver in the cracks because they don't have the you know Al Qaeda doesn't have the platforms. They don't have the funding. Right. And then so we kind of didn't take it super seriously. And then we saw the same thing in uh, Afghanistan, where I mean I would you know 
see the Taliban innovating, and not as much so, I don't think, um, as Al-Qaeda, as Al but they were innovating and doing some interesting things. And we're like, well, that's because they have to. They don't have big jets. And then we, now we watch Ukraine, and it's like, oh, maybe... <laughs> Maybe we're maybe, we're, maybe we're the assholes here. You know, like we <laughs> like maybe we're Russia in this situation because we have these big platforms and all. You know, again, uh, modern day Marine, love it. But if you walk around here, you can see a lot of these large platforms. That if one change happens, it takes a decade to change those platforms. Yeah. And the enemy goes, oh, that's easy. Let's just attack that because they can't rep right. cycle. They can't come up with a solution in an amount of time that makes sense. Well, we've also, as you know, we got caught in sort of this like fob fixed structure mentality where it's like well if it breaks i'll just take it back and then i'll get a new piece of gear um and yeah i think we might have lost a little bit of that like well it's only broken in its initial functionality but it can still work for other things too or yeah. i can make it do what it needs to do for a little while that's right and so there's a problem there where if your radio breaks you have to send it back to the pm and you have to do this whole process but like i can probably crack into that thing and make it still work yeah. or i can crack into that thing and make it you know, detonate uh, uh, something. You know, I can still make that useful. <laughs> it's not a radio, but it's a hell of a bomb. Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, these are real things. And so uh, I get really frustrated with that process. And, and what we try to do is show people that you don't, like, for, you know, I talked about this with drones. There was a story a bunch of years ago where I was in a conference like this, and I was talking to this Marine. And I said, uh, hey, uh, I heard you were like the drone guy. And he goes, I was. I was flying on this base. But they shut me down because I, I crashed a drone into a tree. And I said, oh, man, that sounds stupid. He goes, this is even stupider. That same week they had a live fire exercise where a round went off the helmet of some, you know, Marine. And I said, did they shut all live fire exercises down? He's like, no. So it's that, it's sort of this, like, ad adamancy to not move at the, at the pace. Mm -hmm. And um, to anyone listening, it, the pace is all that matters. The time is all that matters. Anything that takes 10 years to make is done. Um, why, you know, I, I ask this question a lot to some of my OSD friends, like, why do, well, I'll give you another example. I was asked to think about the cockpit of 2040 for a helicopter. Uh, someone asked me to pr submit a proposal for that. And they gave me task one through seven on what the cockpit needs to do. So I resubmitted it back to them with task zero. Convince me that there needs to be a human in a cockpit in 20, 2040. Right. And I sum just submitted that, and they're like, we got the award on that one. Mm -hmm. Because that is, um, that's the question no one's asking. Like, why do we have aircraft carriers? Why do we have jets with humans? Right, in right. And so I think the building momentum in particular, we tend to poke at everyone in the eye on these things. Because if you just think for a minute, like, what the future looks like, it is a super fast evolving thing, and these platforms can't do it. And Ukraine is, like, all in our face about this. Yeah. And no one, see, like, I don't know if we're just not ready to make those changes. But drones are the perfect example of that. I can't, I can fly a drone so much easier in Kuwait or in Japan than I can on any uh, USMC range. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was telling you guys this earlier. Yeah. That I, we're going to Japan in two weeks. Uh, Japanese government, totally cool with us flying drones all over the, all over the place. Uh, the, we have been trying for months and months and months and months with the Marine Corps to get a drone to fly. It's the only two places I can't fly in Japan. It's over their airports and over US military bases. <laughs> No, that's pretty cool you were telling us earlier. Do you mind uh, re recounting what you're doing in Japan in a couple weeks? So, thank you. you know, we're doing this whole exercise based essentially on Ukraine. Uh, we're doing a beach landing. with. A, so we take everyone through a week of our innovation boot camp and a week through our drone boot camp, essentially. So two different competing, not competing, but they're on the same team, but two different things. And they come together in this week-long exercise that the first couple days, they just have to figure out which end is up. They have to know that we're going to un unleash this whole scenario on them. Day three, they get inserted uh, at dawn on a beach with 3D printers and solar panels and all the gear they need for that week. 
they have wounded on the beach, they have to make tracked robots in real time. So we're going to have welders and generators on the beach. They're going to have to learn how to weld. Uh, maybe, maybe we have taught them beforehand, maybe we'll teach them on the spot. They weld up these robots, they will autonomously or radio controlled move the wounded on litters up the beach until they reach Japanese vehicles. Not seven tons, because right. guess what? <laughs> guess what, everybody in Japan? Seven tons are, are not going to work in an actual combat scenario. They're going to immediately get stuck yeah, in the, the roads mud aren't and big done. Enough, yeah. done. So, like, and so why are we not practicing using Japanese vehicles? But anyway, uh, so we're going to use Japanese vehicles, get them onto another, um, another range where on that range they're going to be 3D printing on solar because that's going to be the case. You're not going to have power, reliable power, and you're going to be 3D printing critical parts. In this case, I think we're going to be doing javelin parts, or Syscom might give us another part to print. Uh, <coughs> um, and then they're going to exfil those parts using drones to another LZ where they're shipped out. Mm -hmm. So, and then, oh, I forgot to tell you guys this last time, we're going to have Op4 running around with paintball guns, intercepting oh, nice. and, and it disrupting all of that. So the units will also have to learn how to use the drones for surveillance and setting up camera systems sure. and camera networks and sensors like tripwires and all these things to digitally tell them when people are coming. So, and, and if you know some of the ranges in Okinawa, there's only a few ingress routes. Mm -hmm. If they do it right, they're going to realize that guns do not, do not win the day. Guns will not work. We did this a couple years ago at Camp Buring in Kuwait where we had a special operations unit attack with paintball guns, a marine unit that was just using electronics and tech, and the special operations unit got housed. Because they always knew where they were. Because, yes, because technology is so much power, more powerful than guns. And, you know, the future, won't, like, guns are at the last resort. You're, you have to be this close for guns to work, mm -hmm, right? Drones mm -hmm. can go 20 miles and deliver you ammunition on your head, right? Right. So. That's all interesting. So it, you'd mentioned this earlier uh, about uh, the Marine Maker. How did you guys get linked up with Marine Maker? You know, that was a crazy story. So I, it started with a guy that's actually running around here today, uh, General Frank Kelly, or former General Frank Kelly. He, um, he bounced into me at some makerspace and was wondering what the hell I was doing <laughs> on this big whiteboard. And I, was, I said, I'm pre uh, prepping, you know, I have a brand new company called Building Momentum. I'm prepping for a training session for a bunch of Army folks who are getting ready to deploy. He's like, what are you teaching them? And I said, you know, same thing, 3, 3D printing, all these things. Um, he sends me an email the next morning. He's like, we should get coffee. And then he introduces me to this captain, Captain Chris Wood at the time in the Marine Corps. He's one of these unicorn type of people. He ends up, in a longer story, gets the three-star General Dana to come down to my dingy-ass basement <laughs> in Alexandria, Virginia. Like, his whole entourage comes down. And it is like, I have a bowl of hummus. <laughs> I have uh, robots running around i got you know a, a drone and a couple things and 3d printers that i had to make out of wood because i didn't have enough money to buy 3d printers at the time so we made them out of wood and then we bought the components and all the servos and we just put it all together out of that that's and insane. so he comes down and he's like he's kind of like what the fuck is this <laughs> and i said this is this is the future of what you guys have to do because if you want to be the pirates of the navy like you got to operate like the pirates in the navy like you have to work in the cracks of things um and so he's like uh, I want all this. <laughs> and um, and so it, in like two and a half months, we were under contract and teaching um, units. So we had this trailer we built. It was like a mobile classroom. It's a NASCAR trailer that had like eight stations in it and welders and generators and the whole thing. And we would rock up onto places. No one really wanted to come to our training at first. Like, you know, what is this? We're, we're riflemen. We're, you know, that's what yeah. we have to do. Over the course of the year, as we would rock up into Pendleton and Lejeune, there would be um, lines of cars waiting to get into our training in the event anyone dropped out. And it, that's when we knew that, like, there's an appetite for learning the MacGyver, you know, in-the-field DIY tech stuff, mm -hmm. the technical foraging, all those things. That's, and we would go to Dermo and, like, 
kind of, you know, rat fuck through this stuff and grab things out and be like, okay, you're using this today and build me a this. And, <laughs> yeah. and then our scenarios got really elaborate and they still are. It's just like, you know, I was telling you about Japan. We would bring an op for and be like, okay, I want you to like shoot at these dudes the entire time while they have to build this robot to go do a thing. And that became sort of, you know, Marine Maker went from like training a few hundred of people a year to now thousands every year. Yeah. And it's making the Marine Corps kind of the vanguard in this space. If you talk to other services, they're like, we want to do what the Marine Corps is doing. That's that's great mm -hmm. to hear because it sounds like an awesome time. Like, yeah, you just is. must be having a blast, like, every time you go out to one of these things. And people say, say like, where's your top cover? Well, it's actually the Commandant. If you look at the Force Design 2030, if you read mm -hmm. through those documents, sure. and you heard him today talking about this. We've got to move faster even. We have to look at what industry is doing, what commercialization is doing. Yeah, I hate to say it, but it's not a lot of the stuff here. It's the stuff you'll find on the shelves of Best Buys and yeah. you know, on, on Amazon. And um, and so that's our top cover. When people come in and get mad at me because I flew drones in their spaces or I did a thing they you weren't expecting, I'm, I just kind of whip that document out. It's like, you know, this is, this yeah, is yeah, kind yeah. of my top cover. It's like the reality of the future. So. Well, it's like we are talking about with Sergeant Major Black. I mean, if logistics is the pacing function and you're alone and completely afraid on some island chain, yeah, you're gonna have to figure out logistics, man. Like, so, mm -hmm. yeah, this is a this is such a cool thing. Like, yeah. we're checking out your booth and and so yeah, I think highly encouraged, right? Yeah, ex uh, definitely. All, for all of our uh, dear Gazette listeners who are out there, please write articles talking about how we need to innovate and get range time for a lot of these drones because if we're behind the curve, as 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 Brad's telling us, we need to know pick up the pace on that. So, if you don't mind, uh, tell me what's so what. Uh, how is is a typical program recession for you for someone who, who comes in? Uh, like what what how, how what's like the, the process? So we d we have two ways to do it. Um, we have seats that you I mean you guys could actually buy into here in Alexandria. We have uh, calendar dates where you can swipe a card, get into our class. It's like six grand to get in for a week. You get you know, like I mentioned, you take home a three D printer, you take home all this tech. Um, and that could be anybody. It could be you and an FBI person and a SEAL team guy and an ODA. You know, mm -hmm. it's all these weird people, and we and we take you through the same week of 3D printing and, and CAD in one day. Then it's like electronics and, and coding, and, and you make circuits and things the next day. And then you build a robot and you fight robots the next day. <laughs> and then cool. we teach you how to use uh, programmable radios. We teach you how to build GPS trackers. And then we move the scenario into the larger city of Alexandria. We've done things even as it's crazy. It's like sensorizing an actual bar in downtown. Uh, if you've no ever been way. To, if you ever been to O'Connell's, uh, oh. we, we had we had a <laughs> surveillance team actually surveilled that place. Um, we had the owner was, or the uh, manager was a friend at the time, and um, and we had uh, some actors come in and play play the bad guys, and they had to catch everything and send all the video back across the town. So we we do bleed into the area, but um, so that's one way we do. It. We do it here in Alexandria, and then you can just buy those on our website. The other way is that we work with groups like Space Force, like uh, like the um, JSOC folks, like the Marine Corps, and we bring all that to you. So you just give me a classroom and I will do everything else. And that's another way. And so the people that come into our training, um, I kind of don't give a shit what your background is, as long as you are in a place where you need critical problem solving. Yeah. So it turns out medics are really great. Oh, One of our yeah. best drone pilots was a medic because the light clicked on one day, and he's like, I can deliver morphine across the battlefield and stay here. <laughs> and so he developed this whole drone dropping mechanism on, th on his 3D printer that he could, and he did this in Kuwait kind of all by himself after we left, that he could fly a drone across, you know, across a swath of desert and then just, like, drop a bunch of <laughs> morphine down and come back and then do the same thing with the first aid kit. So yeah. it's the people that, you know, it, 
people think that it's because we have 3D printing that you really want machinists and those type of people. And it turns out mm -hmm. the best performing people in our training are those that see crazy everyday problems or need to be in that space. So, Man, that's awesome. That is. Do you have any uh, way you like to, uh, you know, social media or anything you like to plug while you're here? I, God dang it. Are you, I am you terrible at marketing. Build buildmo.com, right? Build, buildmo.com yeah. is our um, is our is our uh, website. Uh, I tend to be somewhat active on LinkedIn. That tends to be where people can get a hold of me the best. Okay. Is well, we'll, my we'll, link, we'll link that stuff on uh, on our show description. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. Uh, I'm terrible at social media. We have an Instagram site. You can just look at buildmo. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, we're very reputation based, and so the, the people that know us can get can kind of get to us. But I guess that's why we're here is that yeah. I need to get a better I need to get better at like evangelizing the crazy. <laughs> we are definitely crazy. Well, I mean, you know, building momentum. It sounds like you guys are well on your way. So best of luck to you. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on and talk to us. Yeah, this has been awesome. Yeah, Thank great, you. awesome. All right. right. Scuttlebutt is a production of the Marine Corps Association. I am William Trudy. But you've also heard the voices or contributions of Vic Rubel, U.S. Embassy retired, Andy Lichman, retired Frazier. The opinions expressed in this episode do not reflect the official stance of the Marine Corps, DOD, or Marine Corps Association.